Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. So, as human beings, we're bound within time and space. And for you and I, we can only really count what we can measure. We can only really like count value by what we can measure within the boundaries of time and space. And that means that very often we can be very quick to determine success or failure based on what we can understand and measure within the flesh and the world around us. Here's an example. The 2013 Hennessy Venom GT Spider that you saw, it's really nice with a price tag of $1.1 million. But that white, unassuming bowl over there recently sold for $900,000 more than the car. It was recently sold for $2.2 million after being discovered as a rare Chinese ding bowl. You see, our ability to see where true value lies can be distorted by our human limitation. And so sometimes we hold on to what we assume carries the most value, although there may be more, we are missing. And often what we see and keep ourselves Uh, uh, what we see and count and keep to ourselves is seed, seed, my money, my stuff, okay, so that we can count that, see, to us, when we see, the seed is what we can count, measure, and value, we go, this is what it's about, here's the thing, we may be able to count the seeds in fruit, but God counts the fruit in a seed. He sees very differently to us. God sees what we can't. He sees the value in the white bowl while we're distracted with counting what we've got in comparison to the guy with the nice car. Yo, I've got one, one seed, two seeds. Oh, these are my seeds. Three, four, five. Oh, this is mine. And, and then what we do is this. You see, while we're distracted counting what we've got in comparison to the guy with the nice car, um, uh, we hold on to our seed and we go, well, I'll hold it a little longer. I'll save my seed a little more. And maybe I too could then spend it on a nice car like that because then I would be a success. If you overlook the white bowl because you've assumed what you can count in your hand is the value which you have for your life. Here's the crazy thing about that white bowl worth $2.2 million. The owners bought it at a garage sale for $3. Woo! Some of you are going to go look for garage sales after this. Stop praying in Jesus' name. I'm an acclaimer. The people that bought that bowl had to let go of what was in their hand first. They had to go, I don't want one, two, that's fine. I'm like, can't I just keep this one? I wonder if the people that bought that bowl at the garage sale were there because they couldn't afford to buy bowls from the shops. 
I sometimes wonder if that $3 they spent might have been all they had. And I wonder if they maybe even took their $3 and, and assumed that, that uh, 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 grappled with the idea of letting it go because it was the last bit they had. They would have never assumed that their $3 sowing would give them a $2.2 million return. Just like we can often overlook the value of sowing financial seed into God's work because we can't always see the value it can produce in our lives and the lives of others. You see, the enemy uses fear to keep your hands closed. Oh, yeah, but I don't have enough, but I can't afford to, but I... That's all fear, yeah, but I need to save for my future because it's so uncertain. It's all fear. So, so the enemy uses fear to keep our hands closed just as God uses faith to open it. This is my seed, God. This is what I have to give, God. Lord Jesus, I believe that you can produce a harvest. I can't see it or make sense or understand it, but I will bring it and let it go from my hands and not measure my success or value based on how many seeds I can count, but how much I can sow. This is why we need to give by faith throughout our lives. And it's so hard. Like, Often I, I look at the things financially I give to God aside from my time and my talents and I'm like, that's a really nice pair of shoes, Lord. I'm like, Lord, that's it's like holiday away. And I just by faith say, but God, the value you can bring in return for my faithfulness and sowing is something I can't measure. And I don't want to be deceived into assuming I can because of the things I can keep, count, and see with my own eyes. Think about how 5,000 people were fed at one time in Scripture because someone sowed their lunchbox of loaves and fish. Think about a story in the Old Testament of a widow who had a drop of oil left. And was told by a prophet, okay, you've only got a drop of oil. She's like, help me. He's like, okay, go and collect vessels to fill up with oil. I'm like, dude, something wrong with you. She's got no oil. Why would she? Because she needed to, by faith, prepare for the provision of God before she saw it. And then when she took the little drop and sewed it into the empty vessels, it tells us that the oil didn't stop until every vessel was full. We gotta let go of what's in our hands. And it all happens when we take the little and we put it in the hands of the God of the much. Galatians 6, 9 to 10 says, and don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping wonderful harvests, uh, the, the season of reaping a wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. It's coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Check this out. It's speaking about giving time, talents, and treasures, okay? And then it says, take advantage of every opportunity. I'm like, whoa, is this my opportunity? Because so often when it comes to money, it's an obstacle. It's like an obstacle, the spirit, this thing, like, like money and, and this... You see, your financial sowing is not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. Yeah. 
And so if you've been giving, or if giving for you has been an obstacle, I want you to think about it this way. An obstacle can either be the end of your dream or the beginning of a miracle because every miracle Jesus performed always started with a problem. It started with a widow that didn't have enough oil. It started with one lunchbox of loaves and fish, but 5,000 mouths to feed. It started with a couple walking around at a garage sale with $3. Whoop, whoop. Well, this is a problem. We don't have any bowls. Let's buy one from the, well, this is a problem. I'm using my last $3. So your problem is either the beginning of a miracle or the death of a dream. You decide because every miracle Jesus performed always started with a problem. And here's the miracle we are promised when we sow financially, when we sow of our time and when we sow of our treasure. Proverbs eleven twenty five. A generous man will prosper. Well, I want to prosper, so I sow the seed, and I don't say, "Well, it's a problem," you know. I go, "This is my opportunity for a miracle." God, I want to prosper, and I'm not. So I become generous in order to experience your provision and your promise. The problem is that we often can't see the miracle of God's prosperity in the seed we should be generously sowing. See, we can't see it. We can't see how sowing the $3 would give us 2.2 million. We can't see how sowing the little bit we have out of a place of lack is going to suddenly create prosperity because we need to see the car and assume that's what holds the value overlooking the white bowl. I want to look in the New Testament at a documented historical example of a miracle work of God through people's generous giving. So, here's the context. In the book of Acts, in the Bible, there's a book called Acts, we read about a man called Cornelius, okay? Spoke about him a few weeks ago. Cornelius, okay? And let's just have fun. Imagine him being like a Mexican. I am Cornelius. He's got a big black mustache, okay? So there's this guy called Cornelius. Now Cornelius loved God and respected and even lived a godly way, but he didn't know Jesus in a personal relationship, okay? Like there are lots of people that go to church because that's Christian, and they assume because they're in church, they even love God. Like they think he's amazing. They even sing, but they don't know him in personal relationship. See, that's, that's religion, not relation. So Cornelius loved God, but he didn't know that he could be saved by Jesus. Because during this period, he was what they called a Gentile, okay? Like you're all Gentiles now, but you're saved by Jesus, but I'm a Gentile too. Okay, so he was a Gentile, he wasn't a Jew. And during the period, there was almost this bias where the Jewish people assumed that they were the saved nation of the Lord. Gentiles, heathens, might love God and even follow the laws of the Jews, but they can't be saved. Then Jesus comes on the show. He just messes up all religious rules and ideas and says, hey, if you know me in relationship, I will bring salvation to all men. So now suddenly there's like this good news. Jesus has died on the cross. He's raised from the dead. His disciples are missioning around like telling people, guys, you can be saved. And God tells one of the disciples, dude, go to the Gentiles, dodgy people. 
like instead of the Jews and tell them they can also be saved. And this disciple's like, no ways, that can't happen. He's like, I've broken the curse and sin of death for all mankind. Doesn't matter who they are, where they come from. So you go and begin telling them the news. So now this guy Cornelius, Cornelius, he's at home and he, he like loves their Lord, but he doesn't know Jesus in personal relationship. He doesn't know that he can know Jesus in personal relationship because the Gentiles were never offered salvation through Christ. It was for the Jew. And, and suddenly things change. So I want us to read in the context of this whole historical moment. Here we read in Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 5. There was a man in the city of Caesarea by the name of Cornelius. He was a captain of the Italian group of the army. He and his family were good people and honored God. So they were good people. They honored God. You know, they were good. He gave much money to the people and prayed always to God. Okay? One afternoon, about three o'clock, he saw in a dream what God wanted him to see. That's called a revelation. An angel of God came to him and said, Cornelius. He was afraid as he looked at the angel. He said, what is it, Lord? The angel said, your prayers and your gifts of money have gone up to God. He has remembered them. Then the angel said, send some men to the city of Joppa and ask Simon Peter to come here. So this is what it said, just this first part. The angel said to Cornelius, your prayers and your gifts of money have gone up to God and he has remembered them. The giving of Cornelius was what opened him to a revelation of God the Father. His giving transferred into a spiritual revelation in his own life. We're like, oh, we're just giving the church just wants my money. Actually, there's something spiritual that unlocks in your life when you give that you might not even know about yet. You see, because God's heart is moved by giving. An angel of the Lord went to a Gentile and said, your giving has captured the heart of God. And he's remembered it. And so Cornelius like freaks out here and he goes, okay, angel, I'm gonna call um, the disciple Peter. I'm gonna call him to, to, to come now because the angel said, go and get some men to call Peter from this area. They call Peter, okay, to the house, this disciple of Jesus who had been told you must tell the Gentiles they can be Christians and saved by in relationship with Jesus. And he's like, whoa, this is crazy. So they go call him, say, hey, come back to Cornelius's house. He's called for you. Peter ends up going to the house. And then we read how Peter came to the house and told them the good news of salvation through Jesus for all men outside of religion. And Cornelius and his family came into a relationship with Jesus. And it tells us that when they came into that relationship with Jesus and they were saved, they were baptized. Just like those people being baptized today. They all went and dunked them and raised them out of the waters, saved by the blood of Jesus through the power of giving that unlocked revelation and brought salvation into his family. We think giving's this thing we just do for other people or to make us feel better or that the church demands as a Christian duty. No. This is a powerful spiritual act, an opportunity where we let 
go of seed sown into good soil, which manifests in not just us being able to expand this building and create an auditorium for thousands of people that have life change to help counsel teenagers in the high school that want to commit suicide with our trained counseling department, that we're feeding hungry people, establishing and partnering with companies that are getting right under the infrastructure of brokenness and poverty rather than just giving a blanket at Christmas time. We will do all that, but aside from that, Changed lives, baptisms and salvation, families given hope, the power of our seed. Because when we sow what we can count and value with our human understanding, it translates into a spiritual power that gives us a harvest, not of, of grapes, uh, not of, of mansions, but of changed lives. Because the reality is this, the only thing you can take to heaven one day is the people that came to know Christ through your meaningful contribution somewhere in the bigger plan of God for mankind. Somewhere in the bigger plan of mankind. And it's interesting. Because Jim Elliott, a well-known missionary who was killed in 1956 by a tribe. He was trying to share the good news of Jesus with wrote these words which they found in his journal. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. The only thing I will never lose is the moments and the seeds I sowed into the purposes of God above and beyond myself and my dreams and plans that then were put into soil that produced a harvest of people that could minister, reach out, operate in a way that brought others to Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that I can take with me. And so our giving is an opportunity, not an obstacle. Therefore, let's not judge success by the harvest we reap but by the seeds we sow. I don't have the big car. I'm not saying you can't. I don't have all the best stuff, but I bring my seed. And I'm like, God, this is what I got. And I'm letting it out of my hand. God, I've counted and held on. I've assumed I need to keep this to have value. And today I let go because it's an opportunity, not an obstacle.